Hey Chasers, Aaron here. I wanted to talk about our sponsor, Wilderness Trail Distillery. If you want a great whiskey without the fake legends and made-up history, try some Wilderness Trail Fine Kentucky Bourbon. It's made by master distiller Shane Baker and fermentation expert Pat Heist, who you've heard on the podcast, at their distillery in Danville, Kentucky. They make a weeded bourbon, a high rye bourbon, and a Kentucky-grown rye whiskey. Wilderness Trail is offered in bottled in bond or cask strength. It's non-chill filtered, and the mash bill is on the side of every bottle, so you know what you're buying. This is real information. Not some magical recipe or who Shane's great-great-grandpa is. I'm telling you, keep an eye out for Wilderness Trail in your favorite store. If you happen to see a barrel pick or special release of Wilderness Trail on the shelf at your store, grab it. It's not going to last long. If you want more information, check them out online at wildernesstraildistillery.com. This is Dan Kroll, National Brand Ambassador for Glenmorangie. Pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cast Chasers Podcast. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I was hoping we could start with the 10 year because I, I mean it when I say we introduce this probably more than any other whiskey for new, yeah. I, I love it. I pour it. It's a, it's a, it's my decanter whiskey. It doesn't go in a decanter, but I call it my, it's always out somewhere whiskey, um, because it's just easy to grab, easy to pour, easy to get. Um, but I tell people all the time, this is scotch for, for entry level scotch and for just you know, not bring to bank scotch. I think it's one of the better ones out there, in my opinion. Well, and quick side side story on this one. So, um, this bottle and this set, it's the it's the giraffe um, themed release. So, right. this is something that my husband Jared got for me for my birthday this past year after I could drink again. So, he got me this one, and he got me the Ardbeg Wee Beastie because I love that one. Mm-hmm. And on the topic of approachability. I told him that I would really love a bottle of Wee Beastie for a birthday or Christmas, right? I didn't say anything about the Glenmo. He picked this up on his own. And I know for a fact it's mm. because, you know, it's the bottle speaks to you. It's a cool thing. And I know that he's heard us talk about it so much. So he was like, times. safe bet. Yeah. And I appreciated that so much. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. That's yeah. fantastic. And, we, you know, that's another one where when we saw the, the packaging... It, I, you know, I'm admitting, you know, fully that the vision for how we do things is it comes from people that that are smarter than me, um, because sometimes you see a thing and you you know it's going to work. And the the giraffe packaging was one of those one of those things was like I think that's actually going to work pretty well, uh, but then you and then somebody comes along and they show you the again the you know the, the cake box or the the Taylor Winter. By the time Taylor Winter came around, um, it was like okay, now I get it. I, yeah. you, cake kind of cake kind of broke my uh, resistance down to the idea of um, alternative word choice, alternative color palette, alternative. Uh, uh, you know, box textures and so on and so forth. And why not make a box look like a Christmas sweater? You know that. Sure, let's go for it. But if you, that if was you, a different thing. But if you zoom out a little bit too, and just to kind of the brilliance of the marketing team, and, and just kind of you know lift them up a little bit more. I hope they listen because we're really we're really pushing them up. They're they're sitting there like you know no one ever recognizes us. <laughs> right, us um, and Jim from shipping. Right, but if you think of like <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, Jim's like I got brought up really. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there's a gym. God, I hope there's a gym in shipping. Um, I, that this is this goes out to in shipping. So give us a name later, and I'll fill it in. Um, so we really freak them out. Um, <laughs> man, they do their research anyway. 
think of like your craft beer movement, which is really huge right now. These cans that are coming out are are very art focused, you know, and the new age art, not to get too artsy, whatever. I'm in for it. But the new art movement, you know, we're not dark and we're not Baroque anymore. This isn't the 90s where it's very like there's not enough rain. You know what I mean? It's not <laughs> it's not the Batman. Um, you know, it's not dark and brooding. The art movement right now is very bright and, you know, popping and colorful and, and, and loud, I think. So I think that speaks to people. And again, these are two stories. Her husband, who isn't a whiskey person. Um, is that fair? Uh, except for Jim Beam. Except for Jim Beam, of course. Um, but who isn't? Um, and then my niece, who isn't a whiskey person, both reached for Glamorangi and both reached for it because the pa- packaging spoke to them and then brought those whiskeys to whiskey people and we approved. And I think, so there's wins on two fronts because sometimes people buy something for the packaging and then they bring it to somebody that's in the know and they go, you bought the wrong one. Right. This is not that case. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's not the case. It's foolproof. Right. I I agree. Dare I say. Yep. Yep. Once you get to the thing about marketing is that it's, uh, it isn't the product. It only introduces the product. So if the, all the satisfaction was connected to the marketing, then uh, it almost has uh the the opposite effect that you'd hope for because you feel hoodwinked yeah uh by the marketing to get involved with something that wasn't uh, a worth the um uh the interest that the there's a there's a cognitive dis- disconnect because there the the marketing hyped up an experience that could not live up to it yeah and that pisses people off because yeah. then you've taken their discretionary income you've you've essentially fooled them into spend, spending discretionary income, which is harder and harder to come by on a thing that in its, uh, in the final analysis wasn't worth it, it, your perception of value is shot to hell. And you're going to avoid that brand like the plague moving trickery. Yeah. They, they screwed you. Yeah. 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 Not the case. Not the case. I need to ask you the most important question you've been asked and you may, I, yeah, Drum roll. Dan, Drum yeah roll. it's, it's the most important and it's a powerful question. It's insightful. It's well written. It's read it carefully. And I need you. So does does this does the ten year, the staple, the 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 main the 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 guy, the legend, does she taste like orange because of the name Glimmerangy? Or is there orange? Make it make sense. Why do we, do we love it because it's beautiful, or is it beautiful because we love it? Why does this taste so citrusy? Is it in my head, or is there something? Is that the I gotta know, man? Because let me tell you, I get orange juice in a good way. This is the most citrusy, <laughs> thirst quenching whiskey you know on what the planet. I get? And this is the first. So I've had I've had this the ten year a couple times over. This is the first time I've kind of been nosing it and gotten this scent though. Yeah. Um, you guys know the like when you're down at the boardwalk, the candies that are like gel gummy candies in the shape Ooh, of yeah. orange slices and yeah lime slices. yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's it's the orange one of those yes. but it's not overly sweet like it's got the citrusy with like a crust of sugar on it and then just enough of like the wine bitterness to not be too saccharine but, do, but before you answer yes. dan just want to make sure we're on the same page i love that katie Katie, do you believe in the power of the mind? Katie, take my hands. No. (laughs) We're levitating right now, guys. I don't know what's happening. Next on Mind Freak. Um, (laughs) Is this your card? No. Do you believe, do you buy into how, and you have to because it's science, the brain tells us so much about what we taste and we can be tricked so easily. 
and that's why I mean, am I, am, do we, because everyone tastes, tastes citrus. I mean, you do. Is it Glen Moore? Is it the orange in Glen Morangi? Is it that simple? Is it the orange bottle? Is that why everyone says Glen Morangi? Are we being mentally, or is there, if I blind tasted this, would I still get the orange? I guess is what I'm asking mm. here. How much am I being, speaking of trickery, right. not to put you on the spot. Can I answer after Dan? <sighs> yeah. If you if you want to go, I mean, I, uh, my answer is like, likely to get uh, off into the weeds a bit. But right. uh, you know, oh, I love I'll, in the I'll weeds. Do, I'll do a quick answer, and then I'm going to kick it to you because we, yeah, Excellent. let's go hunting for Pokemon in the weeds. God, so many circuitous references in this. I love it. I don't know what that word means. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that the power of suggestion is a real thing, but I think in all of the varieties of Glenmo that we've tasted, um. There's a common thread there that really binds all of those characters together in the same family. And I think citrus is part of that family. So to your question about if we were to blind taste, would we still pick up on it? I'm thinking yes, because when you taste any of those varieties, those notes are so, there's such a, a consistent background in a good way that I think there is something there. On yeah. the production and side. And let me fortify before you jump into it. Sometimes distillers will say citrus is an off flavor in whiskey. It can be. This is very on purpose. So I don't know that I'm, I don't believe I'm being tricked. I think there's, it's a citrus. I think there's something in the yeast or the grain or something here, but maybe, I don't know. Dan, take it from there. What, how deep yeah. in the weeds and how tall are um, they? F- fairly deep. Um, it, there are there's a few different levels of answer to that, um, uh, Katie. I, you know, I think you're both spot on that when you are in the presence of a bottle of original, you can't help but look at it, and there is a certain uh, amplified uh, sensitivity. Uh, and I'm sure that the, you know color theory and and the and the psychology of color and all those kinds of things uh, probably do play into that to a degree. Uh, it's there. Uh, certainly, Bobby, to your point, it is there. It's it is in there, and and the weeds involve explaining why it's there. Uh, but certainly, uh, uh, to be fair, it's a happy coincidence that Glamorangi is pronounced orangey, and it tastes orangey. Um, that's not. Uh, and sometimes, uh, in uh, just to be fair, sometimes in um, uh, public tasting events, uh, the my pattern of speech. Uh, has convinced people that I'm saying or orgy, so I'm not. It's it's actually orangey. It's an orgy of orangey. I, I do not taste. Thank you. <laughs> I don't taste that. No, no, and I'm I'm, I'm I haven't attended one, but I'm sure it has a flavor. Yeah. So mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. thing about how that works is, yeah, I think that, and uh, from the education and advocacy side of things, we have to be careful, particularly in public events, to not. Uh, actively or even subconsciously manipulate other people's perceptions by saying a bunch of stuff preemptively, mm. uh, which takes a certain amount of discipline because the because the you know when you're when you're trying to make your bosses happy and cl- and tick all the the key performance indicators that make sure that you don't get fired, there's supposed to be things that you tell people about your brand, and certainly you know Bill's tasting notes and aromatic notes and so on and so forth. You want to share those with people, but at the right time. Mm. So that you're what I try to do as as hard as I can. What I try to do in uh, whether it's virtual or public or like actual public thing is to make sure that when I say that whiskey is whatever you want it, whatever you think it is, it is. I try to back that up by by not saying that and then going, but here's what it really is. Right. Uh, More of a uh, my my line in my trainings is when you are drinking anybody's whiskey. (laughs) 
you are uh, autonomous in terms of how you decide you want to enjoy that whiskey, and you are infallible. What you think of it is correct. If it's your, if it makes you the happiest of any whiskey you ever drank, it's the best whiskey in the world for you. So don't let anybody, including me, don't let anybody take that from you. It's your experience. Even if they were tasting the exact same thing at the exact same time, your body chemistry, the way that your papillae are configured, the, your, your memories, what you've been exposed to in terms of flavors and aromatics over the course of your life, those things combined with how the whiskey interacts with your physiology, with your sensory perceivers, that's yours. And no one can have that but you. So when you connect with the whiskey, you and the whiskey are one in a way that can only happen to you. So why would you try to take that from people by convincing them that they should be tasting this, that, and the other? I, I like when we're able to do a kind of a communal thing. We start by sort of imbuing the individual with a with a recognition that they are that that they, they have the hammer of Thor in their hands in terms of how they do this. It's theirs, and then as that conversation evolves. You start to weave the community element in. It's like somebody in the back is saying, ah, don't you get banana Laffy Taffy? And, and then for a second, everybody's like, that's all I get. Thanks. <laughs> um, so, but then there's this shared thing where you start to get people used to get kind of communal uh, uh, response. And part of it is what people are tasting and part of it is what people are feeling from each other. Mm. Uh, and and I, I really like when that energy starts to build and you start to see people who don't know each other. They've never met, but they're enjoying this. This the, the thing, the catalyst of their enjoyment is the same. So they're looking around at each other and going, man, maybe we're not so dissimilar after all. And and I, I, all of a sudden, I don't give a crap who you voted for. I don't, you know, where you live, whatever. In this moment, we're one. We're a community and we're tasting this thing and we're all having our minds blown by it. Let's just let that envelope sort of live and breathe and and have its being uh, facilitated by this lovely liquid so yeah there are pitfalls and you can you can have things suggested to you either visually or verbally or uh, in the context of a of a, a communal drinking session but here come the weeds the reason that it's in there <clears throat> uh, you know in, in terms of organic chemistry um, when we produce whiskey at Glamorangi, uh, our water source is a hard water source. And there may be a dozen distilleries in Scotland that use technically hard water. Uh, there are only two, and coincidentally, they're both on this episode of your podcast. There are only two that use a spring-fed hard water resource for their processed water, for their fermentation uh, water, and that's Highland Park and Glamorangi. Mm -hmm. So when that happens, it isn't necessarily that um, that hard water is preferred. It certainly isn't. There are all the other distilleries that aren't the 12 that use hard water make fantastic whiskey. So it's not required, but what happens to the yeast, the environment that the yeast finds itself in during the process of fermentation is different. And so that yeast having is surrounded by a more nutritive liquid medium is able to do what it does a little quicker and a little bit more um, uh, vociferously. So we have vigorous fermentations at Glamorangi to the point that you sometimes you will see the fermenters kind of rock uh, with this vigorous fermentation because the yeast are very healthy 
because mm-hmm. they've got um, the building blocks for um, yeast propagation right there in the water. Uh, calcium, a, a dissolved calcium, magnesium. The yeast uses that to build new yeasts. So you get a more vigorous fermentation in a shorter period of time because you've got your, your yeast propagation phase is, is banging. Uh, so what you end up with, and we've done the, the spectral analysis at Glamorangy based on the combination of that fermentation environment and the fact that we use the tallest copper pot stills in Scotland reveals this, the, uh, the, the citric elements of uh, uh, limonene mm. is one of the organic compounds created in the fermentation phase that is then revealed because of all the, uh, the copper contact during the distillation phase. So the fact that it is more out front, that's the stills revealing it. But the fact that it's there at all is because of the fermentation environment and that uh, the nutritive elements uh, inherent in hard water. The, so it's there. The stupidity of my question and the, you know, profundity of your answer was like <laughs> watching someone take a piece of clay and make <laughs> lemonine. <laughs> yeah, so you would find limonene in, in citrus fruits uh, as an organic compound. The other thing that spikes uh, when we're looking at the spectral analysis of what happens with the new make of Glamorangy is linalool. Uh, and linalool is an organic compound that you would 70s find in, flooring. Uh, and no, that's a different. That's oh, different, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, different thing. Although it might be, there might be some, you know, uh, chemical relationship yep, yep. there. Um, uh, linalool you would find in relatively high concentrations in lavender and coriander seed mm. so the floral yeah. the floral bit of what happens here that that lavender sometimes it flies it, it floats into white wildflowers or violets or or with kinturubon rose petals yeah that's part of the fermentation phase too and we tend to get higher spikes in those in the new make because of what happened in the fermentation phase combined with the idea that we've more thoroughly revealed them via uh, aggressive reflux in the and uh, uh, extended copper contact and still what a master class there are three points that i'd like to make one i've been on like bobby's laughing at me because i've been on like the brink of tears while you were talking dan i mean the whole soup to nine oh, nerd no no that was <laughs> thanks <laughs> <laughs> we we adore so and I'm going to switch up to the cake now because I want to hear whatever the gold you're going to say about this. Um, I think one of the beautiful things, what I appreciate about our podcast is we have a, I would say we have an equal amount of newbie newcomers to whiskey as we do seasoned whiskey drinkers. And that's what we love about our show. This is that episode that takes people on a journey where like I understand, I've, I just learned, I've been, I've talked to a hundred people in the whiskey community, in the whiskey world. And I just learned so much, but it didn't go over my head. And yeah. I, 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 I feel like, you know, dig, we, could, we could dig into the, you know, the point of the giraffe um, pot still mm-hmm. next, you know, and how important they are. And for the flavor, which we've had shows on the flavor molecules that come from copper and that traveling that, that, you know, distillate traveling up that distance. There's so much science and information there. But what I appreciate is the flavor elements. You know, we we toss around ideas like vanillins and things like that, and we forget those molecules give certain flavors that There's we a pick up for and them capture. To be there. And then the scientists behind making a whiskey and saying, "Wait, wait, how do we how do we get rid of that but keep this molecule?" I think that's point two of what I wanted to make too, because 
I'm I'm guilty of listening to podcasts while I'm driving and like getting distracted halfway through. And then I'll catch the end of something that's interesting. And I'll go back and listen to that podcast episode three times over to absorb every element of it. If I have one wish for our listeners, it's that they do that with this episode because there's so much beauty and detail that goes into it. Um, and and thirdly, real quickly, just as a, as a shout out to you, Dan, I would love to know who runs hiring at um, like Glenmorangie. I did it. Damn mm-hmm. it. Glenmorangie. <laughs> Everybody does. And Ardbeg <laughs> because I'm, I'm not kidding, man. Between you and Cam on the Ardbeg side, I think you are two of the most articulate in a very artistic way when talking about your scotches and that i appreciate that so much as we're as we're all trying to share um why this is a meaningful drink to us and why people should lean into it so there's something in the water uh, there (laughs) yeah yeah, i think part of that comes from uh, you know not to uh put all of this in bill's lap but it's to a degree it's all in bill's lap he brings a he bring, he's a he's a, his PhD is in biochemistry with a with a research on uh, with an emphasis on on yeast specifically he wrote his dissertation on uh, yeast autolysis so he's a geek uh, the thing that you get with Bill is is that rare combination of process driven science geek and artist so you do, it's like why so many bands go to broke. Uh, because they're artists, but they're not business people. They don't yeah. have a. They don't have the structured uh, and, uh, mindset and discipline to handle the business side of the music industry. Uh, so when you get somebody who's both, you tend to try to find other people who are able to tap into both. Yeah, but who are able to resonate at that frequency, uh, and that isn't. It is. It's no special. You know, I didn't. I wouldn't uh, ascribe any particular, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, matrix friggin' uh, Neo shit to it, but um, <laughs> it just, it just happens to be that, that Bill's frequency is a frequency that I get uh, and that I, uh, and Cam uh, and the, and the, you know, the rest of the brand ambassador team um, are able to not necessarily regurgitate it verbatim, but, to translate uh, in real time in a way that it's as close as we can make happen to Bill being there in person. Uh, that's, that's our, not to be Bill, not to behave like Bill, not to have his, uh, his specific uh, penchant for um, a certain variety of joke, but, uh, but to, try to, to try to infuse into people's heads and souls what gets him out of bed every morning, which is, what's next that sort of insatiable what is next fascinated by the process and fascinated by the potential and the future and that's you know if there's anything that we're supposed to do really well it's to deliver a complicated message as simply as we can because if we don't then the barrier of entry that was lowered via the liquid is closed again via somebody's ego and using way too many words with way too many syllables and wearing too much of his or her uh, whiskey insider goober doink <laughs> on their sleeve so that you end up having this kind of, boy, I was interested until that person opened their mouths and yeah. now I'm way, yeah. I'm back outside in the parking lot trying to find my car to get the hell out of here. Yeah. So, that's what the 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 folks that are responsible for populating this team 
and they're looking for that combination of um, uh, uh, artist, science geek, and rampant enthusiast for the joie de vie kind of a thing. Gorgeous. Fucking crazy Da Vinci's, the lot of you. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and, and you never give each other yourselves enough credit either. I mean, you know, Dan, you're, you, we, we brought up a, a lot of people and you've said a number of times, you know, people smarter than me, but dude, you are, and, and I mean, Katie's probably going to do her pitch, pitch and whatever. You're somebody worth following. You're you're definitely not obviously knowledgeable, and um, you you appreciate it, which I think is probably the most important thing we want out of a guest is somebody that truly cares and gives a shit about what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. your ability, you're a salesman, I know by trade essentially, but you're a passionist. Yeah, passionista. Yeah, passionista. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. I'm going to be borrowing that. You might Please want to TM do. it. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll credit you for sure. The uh, the thing I think is the if Bill is fascinated by what comes next in the whiskey industry, I'm I am driven by the people who don't know yet. I need to find them. Gorgeous and open that door. Well, you came to uh, the right the people show. Who, yeah. See, that's exactly the thing. The people who do know, they they know, and and we owe them a, a, a debt of duty to make sure that we're uh, that we're catalysts for the propulsion of the next steps in their whiskey journey. But of all the, there's, so there's the choir, everybody that knows. And if you did the math on the percentage of people who know or to people who don't, the people who don't, there's a lot of them uh, and their, their existences are not being uh, the oh geez what would you call it the the enhancement the inherent enhancement of the quality of those people's lives has not yet arrived and that bugs me so I, I gotta do something about it Haida I want to talk to you about whiskey please talk to me about whiskey but not just any whiskey I want to talk to you about single malt Welsh whiskey mm. But not just any distillery. I'm talking about Pendaren Distillery. Okay. And they don't have just any team to make their whiskey. Mm. They have an all-female distilling and blending team. I like what I'm hearing. Right? Laura, Bethan, and Ista, three women in charge of producing that whiskey. That is wholly unique within the whiskey industry, at least in the UK. That sounds pretty rad. It's pretty rad. What's even radder, if that's a word is their whiskeys are delicious. I can make a wonderful highball for you, and you wouldn't even know there's whiskey in there. You'd just say, oh, this is bright and fruity and berry-like. Really? Really, really. Okay. You want to do it now? Sure. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Do you want to say something about the Cask Chasers podcast? You're a proud sponsor of the Cask Chasers podcast? Yes. Yeah. Glenn Morangy. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting. If only, I, I couldn't help myself. And, <laughs> I like it. And, and now, yeah, so now we need to just build a, a, a random acronym out of that and hope it takes off. <laughs> I feel like we can do it. We've got Passionista. We've got Hashtag Lenmo. We've got Journey Starters. I got a lot of notes yeah. from this. Awesome. Um, nice. Dan, I know, I know we're kind of coming to our close with our time with you. Uh, we did pour ourselves a little bit of cake, though. And I, I know Bobby's like, 
itching to talk through this a little bit before we we kind of get to our wrap up if you got a few minutes i honestly right any bottle i could have grabbed i mean the quinta is ruben is my favorite mm-hmm. um yeah probably i, I think Excellent. consistency and everything it's my favorite one and that's not the one i brought because i i in my head i wanted to kind of showcase two different conversations which is why we went with the 10 year and we went with the cake because i think yep. they were two different spectrums and I, I thought how can i go you know signet was on the idea and things like that but these two seem to be two different sides you know the 10 year is your quintessential scotch you know what i mean yep. i think you, you it, and it's also a very approachable. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Cake is the other end. It's that loud uncle that everybody's excited about showing <laughs> what's, up. What's Uncle Bill going to say yeah, exactly. at Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> exactly. And I, I think, you know, you're you're prepared for nonsense and whatever. But I also believe it's truly delicious. Um, my niece's wedding was very important to me. And like most whiskeys I've had, when I have a whiskey at a very important event, that whiskey sticks with me. And the cake is now one of those solidified you know, memory whiskeys yeah. um, because of that event. Because that was a great night. You officiated that wedding too, right? I did. I officiated. Oh, yeah, I married nice. them. Nice. Yeah. That had to yeah. be very meaningful to them. It was what powerful. A, what a cool thing for you yeah. to do. Yeah, and you know, she's a great, you know, I love her to death and obviously she's family and everything, but, it, but this was a part of that. And I think if I can close with anything, it's whiskey should be a part of something. Um, yep. You know, we talked about Highland Park. My wife and my wife bought me a 25 year Highland Park for, um, you know, because I wanted it for so long and everything. And it's a beautiful gift. I can't wait to have that with Martin. I want to share uh, a sip of the cake with you because I respect you. I, I follow you on Instagram, everything else. But this does have a lot of, you know, uh, meaning. And I think it's also approachable. I think people can get it. I, I hate having whiskeys on the show that listeners can't get either. That's tough because then right. we, we sell this. We're like, this is the one. They're like, how can it? Oh, you can't. There's three. On the- <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, exactly. Which we try to rarely do. Um, but this is one that you can get. It's it's available. Both of them are very, I mean, the 10 years is very available, but the cake is um, approachable. It's also delicious. Two second tasting review yeah. on that for anybody who hasn't had the cake. When you knows this, I get like straight like, cream cheese frosting like mm-hmm. like when i make um i do this little thing for parties it's going to take 30 seconds to explain sorry uh you hollow out the strawberry you take cream cheese and powdered sugar to get that cheesecake feel to it and you roll the whole thing in ground up like right. brown sugar and graham cracker uh crumbs and it's like a bite of a cheesecake that's what i get on the nose and then when i'm sipping on it 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 tastes like the 10 but a combination of the 10 with like the cake batter that you want to just finish off from the yeah. bowl before you put the cake in the oven because that's the good that's stuff. That's brilliant. Here's what I say. Here's yeah. my, and that's almost yeah, yeah. on par with what I say. It is exactly, you ever watch a baking show? Frequently. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> it is what you want fondant to taste like. <laughs> You know what I mean? When you see that gorgeous fondant cake, right. if you've ever had it, it's terrible. It's a Play-Doh. Right. It's disgusting. <laughs> but it's exactly what you want that cake to, in your head. Like, that's what it's going to taste like. That's what this tastes like with a punch behind it, like yeah. a boozy. I wish, I honestly wish this was a syrup because I would put it on. <laughs> Bobby would bathe in it. Yeah. He's like lathering up right it, now. <laughs> wouldn't, it be, wouldn't it be like a, like if you could, if you could caramelize that and somehow it would be gorgeous. On... I caramelize it when you can drink it, buddy. <laughs> it caramelizes in my body and that's what it does. 
That's, oh. a, gr- that's a gross tasting oh, that's note. <laughs> we're doing so well. It's um, like some of them were smart and said nice words, and then Bobby would come in. That's what I don't like about the show is he comes in and says stupid stuff about his stomach. Remember when I told you to keep working on your accent? <laughs> that's a good one. I like that one a I lot. Uh, Dan, I did get you that just... one star. Right. It's just Bobby ruins it. I mean, <laughs> for me, it's a personal choice. Yeah. <laughs> I like my cake without him. What's in this the... character's name? We've got Kyle in the background yeah. as our unpaid intern, that's, who doesn't that's, exist. That's buddy. my aunt Becky. That's, that's what she sounds. Aunt like. Aunt Becky. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dan, your thoughts? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, with uh, a tale of cake. Um, there are a couple of things, you know, just on the front end as a as a sort of an interface advisory statement that uh, the 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 please say there's no cake in this. Yeah, let's just start with it contains no cake. Uh, secondarily, it's bottled at a slightly higher ABV. Uh, anything that Bill does that that is one off experimental. Uh, uh, what we what we would have maybe referred to as uh, limited release or limited edition, those tend to not be under forty six ABV, mm. and this one is this one sits at forty six. So you're going to have a slightly bolder interface if you're if you're drinking this next to original in the U.S. because original is bottled at forty ABV everywhere else except here because um, uh, they know us somehow. Uh, <laughs> the idea here is that when you're trying them side by side. Cake has a slight advantage just from a from a, a potency point of view because it's a, it's a few points higher in ABV, which also means that it is fully non-chill filtered. So there's going to be a shift texturally uh, with cake because it all of its naturally occurring lipids are fatty acids, and that's we could do an entire episode just on the behavior of fatty acids in an alcohol water solution, but. In this case, because this is fully non-chill filtered, you it tends to lend to that. Uh, mouth filling, creamy, uh, the, the cake batter, the textural elements of cake batters. You've got cake batter's got uh, the the flavors that you expect, but it also has cereal grains flavors and creamy texture. So when you combine those, it's like say it's lemon uh, chiffon cake, whatever you're drinking. You're drinking not necessarily. I, yes, I'm drinking the batter, but if I'm consuming the here. batter in any capacity. Then you've got the flavors that you intended with lemon, but you've also got the flavors inherent in creating something from cereal grains, which is why you cook it. So you don't necessarily have the sort of the, the raw elements of that cereal grain, but there's a, there's a malty biscuity underpinning that happens there. And then batter is inherently creamy because you've got the, you know, whipped up the eggs and stuff like that. So it sticks to the palate. It, it creates a sense of mouth filling creaminess as it, as it interacts with cheeks and tongue and so on and so forth. So when you think of this as a kind of a, uh, uh, you know, licking the spatula as you're just as you're doing your uh, cake pan filling, those things begin to make sense because of what we didn't do here, which was uh, we didn't chill filter it. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that one of those things, and this can go in the other episode where where you talk about uh, chill filtration and and whether or not it's the devil's hands at work. Uh, spoiler alert: is not. It depends on how you handle it, but. Uh, with Glamorgy Original at 43, there is a mild chill filtration. So that's why it comes across on the palate as slightly brighter and a little bit less fatty and weighty on the palate. It's appropriate for Original, but it's appropriate for cake to have that sort of fatty, weighty 
palette presence in addition to those lovely uh, citric elements that that make it uh, a member of the Glamorangie family. So as you're digging into this, it's like um, you ever had a really, really satisfying yawn or sneeze where there's the initial thing and then there's just the joy that it just <laughs> happened. I yes. love those. Uh, and that to me marks a good whiskey. You have the initial and then you have the thing, the the sort of the blossoming of its true potential. It's sort of the mid palate. It starts to become, uh, uh, like when I was a kid, and I don't mean to run over time, but when I was a, not a kid kid, but I just, you know, uh, about to go to college, I, I needed some money. So I was working at a, at a commercial laundry facility uh, uh, for like restaurant linens and things like that. And it was, it was uniformly revolting. Except uh, every other Wednesday, I only had to do small deliveries and I didn't have to pick up. The rest of the week, I would have this unair conditioned van with no brakes. Uh, and I'd have to go to restaurants uh, and pick up their soiled linens and then stick them in the back of this 120 degree van and drive around smelling uh, fermenting restaurant oh, linens. Oh. But every other, yeah. So it's as bad as you, right? What just happened? <laughs> uh, but uh, every other Wednesday, because I only had deliveries and they were, you know, already clean and there wasn't much of it. My boss would give me her car, which was a was a twelve cylinder Jaguar coupe. Uh, and so I'd take the car, and I'd make all my deliveries. And then there was this chunk of interstate that runs through the center of Omaha, where from my last stop to the exit going back to the thing to the laundry facility. I'd see how fast I could go, as you do. Uh, so I'm in this jag. And the thing that you don't understand as a, as a so whatever, 18, 19-year-old is that just because the engine's huge doesn't mean it jumps off the line. You can punch it and it's like, eh, sometimes, yes, depending on the design, design of the vehicle, it'll jump right off the line. But Jaguar doesn't, it's like boxing Ali. You're not going to get knocked out in the first round, but you will never win. It will always show you more power than you are expecting. Yeah. So you get in this jag and you punch it and you're going and then you're going faster and then you're going faster and you get it. You're into the triple digits. And the faster you go, the more control you feel. And it's it's elegant. It's powerful elegance. And you get the only thing that scares you is that you get the increasing sense. You'll never find the end of its power. No matter how fast you go, it'll only give you more control and you will still be blown away by the power still yet to be imagined or realized. So when I'm drinking a good whiskey, it reminds me of those days driving that Jag where mm. it starts in a certain way and a good whiskey never, you never find the end of its power curve. It just keeps revealing itself to you and revealing itself to wow. you. And there's these layers and you keep digging further in and you feel more empowered and more in control, the less, uh, the more, the bigger it gets, the more woven into it you become. It's a, it's th that when you get into an interface like that, the elegance of its construction and design, combined with the the enriching power of how it knits itself into your soul, that's what a good whiskey is about, and that's what what cake does for me is it starts in a place. And then there's that mid palate thing, like right after a really satisfying sneeze where you're like, your whole body's tingling and you're like, yes, if it wasn't for that sneeze today would have been compromised. Uh, this is that for me, there's a thing and then it blossoms into a massive thing. And it's not just sitting around and eating pineapple upside down cake, which was sort of the inspiration for this. It's certainly that, but uh, there's that secondary thing of 
wood spice and maltiness. And it mm. reminds you that it's a whiskey. Whatever Bill does, whatever the inspiration is, is, is described as in the, in the marketing materials, it's always a whiskey. And in his, his point is his creative spark comes from, I'm never going to let you forget that it's a whiskey. At the end of the day, this stuff is all whiskey. And the, the elements of Taylor Cake that remind me in the center palette and the tingliness on the sides, I'm still a whiskey. Yes, you're thinking cake, but I'm still a whiskey. That's his genius for me is combining these, these creative inspirations with an interface that never stops being whiskey. That's what's beautiful to me about, about drinking Taylor cake. Dan, I'd love to continue this conversation, but I'm actually dead right now because this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's like watching Hendrix at, you know, at at Woodstock, man, that was, uh, that was the best answer. Please write my obituary first off. <laughs> Done. Yeah. I'd be glad to. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> if you're not buying Glamorangy now, at this point, listener, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. Um, holy, holy shit. That was... The, that was spiritual. Bravo. Bravo. Right on. Bravo. Well, thank you. Yeah. I should have lent some technical aspects to this. This is finished yeah. in Tokai, uh, Hungarian Royal Tokai cast. Of course. An experiment that Bill had done years ago. He forgot about it. It went over. The wood took over. And he was uh, the Schwarzenegger of I'll Be Back and uh, did it again and got it right. And that's that's what uh, Taylor Cake is. Gorgeous. Um, yeah. I'm, I I mean this in the You can say whatever you possible. want, but I'm ending it on whatever he just said. So no, you just no, that's it. fine. It's like, do you want to do the drop again? No, no, no. I know what I'm using. Uh, this is meant to be a compliment. So I hope it comes across like that. I've been to Nebraska. <laughs> and I no, would drive I, I would drive to Nebraska for us to have a conversation like a follow-up conversation like this in person. This has been utterly I would fantastic. Love that. Yeah. I would super love that. Uh and you know, as far as I was just I was kind of kidding around, but uh that um if you want to do a geek show at some point about yes. <laughs> uh things like chill filtration, things like uh reflux copper contact, uh Dan, line I wrote down, fermentation times. I wrote down talk lipids to me. On my note sheet mm. for today. Yes. I'm down. Yes. Katie's bedroom stuff. talk is a little weird. And it's very... Yeah, I like it, though. It's good. It's solid. <laughs> it's, it's a little... It's a little fatty, as you guys, as hey. you, as, uh, Well done. As you know, though, I mean, a lot of this stuff, people, uh, uh, sort of amateur pontificators will give people an idea that they need to, that a chill-filtered whiskey is the industry's uh, 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 effort to swindle you. Uh, and that you're being robbed of certain things and uh, or or the use of E150A or any of that kind of stuff or or the uh, missing age statement. The pontificators want you to believe that you're being screwed by those things. And so people run out into the world and believe that when, in fact, it's incumbent upon the consumer to understand these things intrinsically so that they're not robbed of Somebody comes to me and they're like, I only drink cast drink whiskeys or, or anything that's Jim and Shell filtered is trash or whatever. And I'm like, that leaves 90% of the category for me to drink in your face <laughs> because those things are, I mean, the preponderance of the category is under 46 ABV and chill filtered. And there have been blind, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, double blind empirical research projects done on, uh, uh, and these, uh, the, the study that I'm quoting here. The people that were involved were self-professed aficionados. And by the end of it, statistically, the bulk of them preferred chill-filtered whiskeys. So when you think about it in terms of shut 
up and let people make their own decisions based on having the facts in hand and then moving down the, the, the road of their whiskey journey in a way where they don't feel as if they need to prove shit to anybody because it's their moment. It's their interface and it's their face. And I can't drink my whiskey with their face and I wouldn't want to because it's their experience. That's the name of the episode. And to rob them of that, ugh, it just it, it makes my skin crawl when people are felt when people are made to feel as though they aren't able to justify the um, the autonomy that they are inherently imbued with when they pick up a glass of whiskey. It's theirs. And people are always trying to take it from them because a lot of people in this category have incredibly small egos and fuck them uh, because what they're doing is they're restricting everyone's ability to have their minds blown by this stuff. Yes. It just makes me so angry. Yes. Um, so I get on a plane in the morning and I'm heading to where I'm like, I'm going to and shut those assholes up right now because the industry needs me to. Dan, I want to hear more of your thoughts forever. Where can we follow you? And what is the podcast you just started? Please tell us oh, so we can right. share that uh, with people. So, uh, yeah. So I'm uh, at Glenmo Dan on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I, I have a newsletter. Uh, if you go to my Instagram profile and you click on the link tree, uh, uh, link in bio, then all the cool stuff. Well, I don't know how cool it is. You'd be the judge. Uh, my website, glenmodan.com. Uh, uh, my newsletter is accessible there. A few of the different uh, funky things that I've uh, done are linked to there. Uh, my po- including the podcast, Whiskey and the Arts podcast, which is a look at, um, what do we do? We talk about, not it's, it's, a, it's a dichotomy because we talk about nonverbal forms of communication. Um, uh, the visual arts, uh, architecture, uh, the performance arts, the, uh, whiskey, those are all ways that people can communicate with one another without relying on a, a, a common language. I think that's so my we love look language. At, we look at that, we dig it out, and we and we we talk to artists, we talk to uh, visual artists, we talk to distillers, we talk to brand band, we talk to people across a fairly broad spectrum. And it's mostly about music. To be fair, there is a, a companion Spotify playlist where we ask our guests to contribute to the playlist. And then we talk to a degree about the tracks that they've added uh, and sort of dig them, uh, pick them apart, not in a judgmental way, but why did you put this on the list? What, what does it remind you of? What is your history with this, with this piece of music? Uh, and then, and then we kind of go uh, We're I think we're working on our 10th episode. So it's a relatively new thing, uh, but it was a thing I felt was necessary That's because awesome. I think whiskey is, it communicates, super effectively but it's not the only thing and when you tap into the idea that people are trying to talk to you halfway around the world about who they are and where they live and where they come from and what the history of their place is and their struggles and so on and so forth it's not that dissimilar from looking at someone's piece of visual art or watching somebody in a play or whatever they're they're just they're they're trying to yell themselves to you in a language that shows up in your head as as your voice which i think is really really cool All right, Chasers, that'll do it for now. If this was your first time tuning in, what took you so long? All jokes aside, we're so happy to welcome you to the Cast Chasers family, and we definitely hope you'll come back for more next week. If you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, in short, wherever you listen to podcasts. And give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cast Chasers. You can even join our Facebook group for bonus points. And if you want even more Cast Chasers, check out our website, castchasers.org, for show notes, Cast Chasers swag, and more. 
Until next time you join us, remember, it's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase. Oh, <laughs>